Hey everybody, my name is Dwayne Burkhardt and you are watching and or listening to the April 17, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report. In this episode, the URC is back in action and we will have a full look at round 17 there. We will also look in on the weekend's MLR action here in the USA. And finally, we will recap another week of exciting, if also abbreviated, action in the South Pacific as the Super Rugby Pacific League continues its three weeks of round-robin resting. But we will start our rugby reporting this week in Europe, where URC action finally returned. Round 17 began in Durban, where the Sharks reversed course, defended their home field, and sent suddenly surging Benetton down to ninth position and sadly out of the playoff hunt. The full-time score was Sharks 43, Benetton 33. Next up, the Glasgow Warriors had a surprising amount of difficulty against the Scarlets. They won the game 12-9, but it was not a performance that I would write home about. Ulster easily dispatched the Dragons 40-19, and the Bulls didn't just trample Zebra as I predicted, they humiliated the Parma 78-12. Ouch. Elsewhere, league-leading Leinster traveled to the Lion's Den in Joburg, where they survived the highest altitude sports experience on Earth, but only barely. Full-time score there was 39-36 to Leinster. And then, in the URC Game of the Week, Munster traveled to Cape Town to face a Stormers team that had not lost at home this season. And that includes all cup action as well. Now, those of you who heard last week's show heard me warn the Stormers that they'd better not look past this game. But you know what? At least early on, it kind of seemed like they might have been looking past this game. Before I talk more about the game, I need to note that the field conditions were absolutely atrocious. In fact, if tackle assist was a category in rugby, the field would have been responsible for the clear majority of stops all day. Seriously, I would have loved to have seen this game replayed on a decent field, as there absolutely would have been a lot more scoring. But as I have often said, both teams play in the same weather and on the same field. And the fact is that the men from Munster were motivated in the early minutes of this game. They took a 12-0 lead before the Stormers woke up, but wake up they did, and at the stroke of halftime, they tied the game at 12. The Stormers had handling and discipline issues throughout the first half, but in the second half, they played better. But so did Munster. The second half wasn't exactly a scoring festival. In fact, it took the teams more than 25 minutes to trade tries again, although a misconversion by the Stormers gave Munster a two-point advantage at that point. And then, in the 74th minute, Munster finally broke away, taking a nine-point lead. But the Stormers did not go quietly. A penalty less than a minute later threatened to make it a six-point game, but the Stormers missed the kick and then another, before making a try in extra time. But it wasn't enough, and Munster upset the Stormers at home. Full-time score, Stormers 24, Munster 26. And finally, in the URC this weekend, Edinburgh finally gave my youngest daughter something to cheer about as they crushed the Ospreys 45-21. And in the game between my two favorite European teams, Connacht handily beat the Cardiff Blues at home, 38-19. Looking at the table now with just one week to go in the regular season, the final eight teams are pretty much determined. But a significant amount of movement within that group is possible before the postseason begins. One team that is not in any danger is first place Leinster. 
as they lead the competition by an impressive 15 points going into the last week. With the Stormers lost to Munster this weekend, Ulster is now in second place and in charge of their own destiny. But should they falter, the Stormers are just one point back in third. Glasgow and Munster are almost guaranteed to remain fourth and fifth, respectively, but only three points separates sixth-placed Connacht from the Bulls and the Sharks in seventh and eighth. The URC regular season concludes this weekend with the Stormers hosting now-eliminated Benetton and Ulster defending their second-place status against Edinburgh. On Saturday, the Lions will host the Parma, the Bulls face Leinster, the Dragons close out their season against the Scarlets, the Sharks host Munster, the Ospreys take on Cardiff, and the Warriors welcome Connacht to Scottstown for their regular season finale. Let's move over to the USA now and check in on the MLR. The action this weekend started with an absolutely embarrassing blowout. The Toronto Arrows, who played far better last week in a narrow loss, simply came unglued at home yesterday against the New England Free Jacks. The full-time score was Arrows 5, Free Jacks, wait for it, 80. Ow. Next, a key Eastern Division matchup in New Orleans as the recently revived Nola Gold fell back to earth and lost their second in a row, this time to Atlanta. Full-time score was New Orleans 7, Atlanta 23. The third game of the day was a battle for Texas as the Houston Sabercats welcomed the Dallas Jackals into their den and then ate them for dinner. The full-time score, Houston 33, Dallas 21. And then finally last night, the red-hot Utah Warriors hosted the recently shell-shocked Seattle Seawolves. The Warriors have been on a tear in recent weeks, but could they beat the Seawolves, a team that was coming off a heartbreaking loss to the Legion? Yes! Yes, they could. And in fact, yes, they did. For the second week in a row, the Warriors took down a team that is above them in the table. And for the second week in a row, the mighty Seawolves fall to a divisional rival. Full-time score, Warriors 41, Seawolves 35. Now, we're back to normal in the MLR this week, which means that there are two games in progress while we're recording this show. But again, because the graphics are added in after the games are over, viewers on YouTube are going to get to see those results now, while I'm only going to get to tell you that, as I speak, the San Diego Legion are hosting the Chicago Hounds, and in a key Eastern Conference matchup, the DC Old Glory are hosting the New York Ironworkers. The standings are too tight and too affected by the games in progress to report on this week, but our viewers will be looking at them now, while I note that the Western Conference remains a very tight four-way race at the top, while the Eastern Conference also has become a four-way race, but that race is now for second, as the New England Free Jacks are running away in first place over there. We leave the USA now and head to the land down under for Super Rugby, where the weekend started with a historic game in Apia Park in Samoa, as Moana Pacifica hosted the boys from Brisbane, the Queensland Reds. And well... For the first 35 minutes of this game, all I could say was, wow, what a game. The teams took turns trading tries, and it looked just before the half like it was going to be all knotted up at 21. But just as Moana was about to break free and tie the score, the Reds picked off the pass and went all the way the other way to complete what we in the USA call the 14-point play. Because instead of it being 21-21 at the half, it was 28-14 to the Reds. 
and you could literally feel the air leaving the lungs of the Pasifika players. And it suddenly looked like, well, another route might be on. But it wasn't. I mean, it did start to look that way at the beginning of the second half. But then Pasifika woke up, and down 40-14, to they mounted a furious comeback in the closing minutes to make the full-time score a far more respectable Pasifika 28, Reds 40. The victory keeps the Reds' very slim postseason hopes alive, while the loss for Pasifika significantly increases the chances that they may not win until next year. Next up, a game that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, as the Fijian Drua headed into the Aussie capital to face the Canberra Brumbies. I'm not sure if the Drua just had the start time of the game wrong, or if the Brumbies were just that on fire when this game began, but the end result was that the Brumbies leaped out to a 19-0 lead. And that may have led to some overconfidence, because the Brumbies seemed to downshift to a trot, and you can't really do that against the Drua which is how 19-0 very quickly became 19-14 at the half. The second half was, well, like a lot of Drua action this season, just plain fun to watch. It was fast-paced, back-and-forth, try-trading time. But then the Drua got turned back in the 66th minute after a knock-on at the try line that would have otherwise given them their first lead of the game. And while they were far from finished, you could kind of feel at that moment that the Brumbies were going to pull a roof from their hats one more time and take the W. The Brumbies did add a fairly spectacular try by Ben O'Donnell right at the end, but the game was much closer than the final score implies. Still, the full-time score, Brumbies 43, Drua 28. And then, the game of the year, as the 6-1 Wellington Hurricanes hosted the undefeated Waikato Chiefs. It was a sunny, relatively calm, and flat-out gorgeous day in Wellington for this game. The Chiefs started out with pace and possession and turned it into points early. But the Hurricanes then shut the door on the tabletoppers and went on a scoring fest of their own, taking a 17-8 lead into halftime. Now, I don't know what the Chiefs' coaching staff said during that halftime break, but whatever it was... I'm really hoping that someone recorded it, because these two teams are pretty much the two best teams in the league right now. And coming into this game, the Hurricanes were actually the best second-half team in the league, where the Chiefs have actually struggled. But not today. The Chiefs came out for the second half possessed. Seriously, I don't know how else to describe their second-half effort on both offense and defense. It was inspired who played well? Literally everyone. But I do want to highlight two players. First, Cortez Ratima. Folks, I love Brad Weber as a scrum half. I really do. He's a great rugby player and an amazing human being. But when Ratima replaced him yesterday, the entire pace of the game changed for the Chiefs, and you could feel it. And the other star who got my attention? Who else? Damian McKenzie. The man, the myth, the legend, McKenzie was just everywhere. He scored. He defended. He played like the superstar he is. And the Chiefs shut out the best second-half team in the league. Oh, and they scored 25 unanswered points. The full-time score was Hurricane 17, Chiefs 33. The weekend action ended in Sydney, where the Waratahs hosted the Western Force. 
The Force came into the game having struggled mightily in the first half of the last three games. Well, now four games. Once again, the Force just didn't have it in the first half, and the Waratahs cruised to a 22-6 halftime lead. But in the last three weeks, the Force have been electric towards the ends of games, closing huge deficits. Could they do it again? No. The Force did mount a furious comeback. Again! But this one wasn't nearly as close as the previous three, and the Taz were never not in control of this game. The full-time score was Waratahs 36, Force 16. Checking in on my predictions now, I came into round 8 31-9 on the season, and this week I was... 3-1. It's not bad. Brings me to 34-10 overall. Because we are now halfway through the season, I think it is time to have our first official look at the Super Rugby standings. The Chiefs and Brumbies sit on top of the table with identical points, but keep in mind that the Brumbies have played one more game than the Chiefs. The Hurricanes are fairly alone in third for the moment, with the Crusaders and Blues locked in a two-point battle for fourth and fifth. The Reds, Highlanders, and Drua are sixth, seventh, and eighth, but only one point separates their positions, and the Waratahs are currently tied with the Drua for the eighth spot. Next week is the last week of round-robin resting in Super Rugby, so once again there are just four games to preview. But that doesn't make the action any less exciting. The weekend will begin in Hamilton, where the undefeated Chiefs host the Fijian Drua. The Chiefs remain undefeated and are coming off one of the most incredible second-half performances in franchise history, while the Drua are coming off a tough loss to the Brumbies. Who wins? Well, as I've said, I like the Drua and they have been flat-out fun to watch in 2023. But against the Chiefs? At home? I don't see it. Chiefs win. Next up, we head to Melbourne, where the Rebels host the Crusaders. The Rebels remain better than their record, but they just got embarrassed by the Blues in their last game. And the Crusaders are every bit as good as the Blues. The Rebels will have to play 80 minutes of consistent rugby to have a chance in this game, and they could but I still think the Crusaders come to town and take this game on the road. Crusaders win. Hopping back over to New Zealand, the Auckland Blues will host the Sydney Waratahs. Both teams have reasons to be disappointed in their season so far, and both teams are coming off convincing wins in their last games. Who wins? Well, as I've said many times, the Taz are big and tough, but the Blues still have greatness within them. And whether they find it in this game or not, I still think they'll have enough to win, especially at home. Blues win. Finally, we head way out to Perth, where the Western Force will return home to face my Highlanders. The Force have been simply unbelievable in the second half of the last four games, but they're also 0-4 in those games. The Highlanders are rebuilding, but they're already more consistent than that, and I think, despite that long flight over, the Landers will take this game on the road. Highlanders win. And that's all the time we have, folks. Thanks for watching and or listening to the April 17, 2023 edition of the Rugby Report. Until next time, I'll be here in the studio writing a song about a tortilla. Actually, it's more of a rap. See you next time. Bloopers. Hey everybody, welcome to the... Uh, <laughs> One more time.
But a significant amount of movement, but a significant... You know what? I was really going good until that. Okay. Simply came unglued. They came unglued. They came unglued. What did they do? They came unglued. I sounded... I sound so upset. All right. A little tea before we do that again. The weekend... At, the weekend... That's the action this weekend. Who wrote the script? I wrote the script. And in a key Eastern Conference mashup... Mashup? <laughs> well, it's kind of a mashup. It will be a mashup. There, there will be mashing up during the game. <sighs> we'll go back to normal. We will go back to normal. We're not sure when we're going to go back to normal. Because instead of leading... Instead of it... Be, oh, I'm going to have to do that whole part again. Because I was talking too fast. You know, you get too excited. It's an exciting game. Rugby's an exciting game. Maybe you get that from the way I'm talking. <laughs> well, I'm excited. The tea will help. But just as Moana was about to break free and try this and try the score, they were going to try the score. We're going to try the score. We're going to try scoring. No, we're going to score a try. It is rugby. And we're going to do it again. Because instead of it being 2020... I f it up again. And then, oh, and that's it.